the Lord. How is everybody? Man, that's good stuff. I love that song. The King is among us. His glory surrounds us. That's, that's good stuff, man. It's great. it's great to be with you guys this week. I missed you last week, but it's good to be back, and so uh, it's great seeing you on this holiday weekend. Um, before we get started, let me go ahead and tell you what scripture we're going to be in this morning, so you can go ahead and turn there. Can everybody hear me all right? Okay. I sound clear? Okay. Because up here, I don't sound that clear. I don't I don't know what it is. But anyways, so we're going to be in Matthew, the very first book of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 25 is where we're going to be, and starting at verse 14. So you can go ahead and turn there and hold that uh, in place, and we'll be there in just a minute. But before we get started into the sermon, uh, I wanted to to just share with you guys kind of what God has been doing uh, this summer. I tell you, we've had an exciting summer here at Chester Christian Church. God is doing some great things, and it's, it's exciting to be a part of it, man. I don't know if you guys are excited or not, but I'm just excited to see what God is doing. Uh, and I just wanted to, to celebrate with you guys, okay? Our, our purpose here at Chester Christian Church, it's on the wall out, out front uh, as you walk into the, the building, the doors here. It's in your program every single week, and it simply is this, is to make much of Jesus. We want to make much of Jesus in everything that we do, and the way that we do that is by reaching people with the gospel, discipling people in the gospel, and equipping people to share the gospel. And so I just wanted to share with you guys that this summer, from June, July, and August, three months, we have baptized 11 people into Christ. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the most recent was uh, Miss Amy West over here. Uh, I, was that okay that I did that? Okay. <laughs> I didn't tell her I was going to do that. But anyways, she was baptized this past Tuesday night in a women's group, and that's awesome, man. God is just doing some good things. Uh, man, we've served this, this summer, we've served at the food bank, uh, we've actually committed now to doing the first Friday of every single month, and uh, that's an awesome thing, and it's a great, easy way to serve, if you have, especially if you have young kids, it's an easy thing to do, man. My, me and my son, we served there uh, this past Friday night, and he put boxes in the buggies, and it was a lot of fun. He made a game out of it, and he was having fun with it, so uh, a, lot of, a lot of good stuff. And then we served at Hyde Park with the reading nights, and did a lot of cool things there, and uh, I tell you, just God is doing some good things, man. It's exciting to be a part of it. Uh, we've already, by the way, just, just through eight months of this year, uh, we have already uh, baptized 24 people, uh, one more than we did all of last year. And, uh, man, isn't that awesome? Now, here's the thing. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Here, here's the thing, okay? So, so yesterday was a kickoff of, of college football, and I'm a huge college football fan. And, and I know that it was like one of the best kickoff weekends ever of college football. Great games on yesterday. If you're not a college football fan, I'm sorry for you. All right? But here's the deal, okay? So, so I know, man, that if you, if you watched any of the games yesterday, man, you watched your team, I know you were cheering loud and proud. You were probably jumping up off the couch, uh, maybe like I was yesterday, and you were cheering, you know, for your team. Here's the thing, man. This is so much greater, right? People coming to know Jesus is so much greater than anything else. And so here's what I want us to do, man. I want us to act like uh, this is a Saturday and we're watching a football game, but it's so much better, okay? I want us to just celebrate. I want us to jump up and just cheer like we're cheering on our favorite team. Can you do that for me? I'm being dead serious. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah, come on. Yeah, yeah. And some of you are like, whatever, I'm not doing that. That's all right. (laughs) All right. Excellent, excellent. Well, listen, uh, so I just wanted to share that with you guys this morning. Let's go ahead and get started. Before we get started, I got a video that I want you to see. This is an old commercial, uh, one of my favorite commercials of all time. I think you'll, you'll recognize it when you see it. Uh, it's, a, it's a funny one, so go ahead and play that commercial, Gary. 
I'm Stanley Johnson. I've got a great family. I've got a four-bedroom house and a great community. Like my car? It's new. I even belong to the local golf club. How do I do it? I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. I can barely pay my finance charges. Somebody help me. Need a smart way to consolidate your debt? At LendingTree.com, banks compete, and you choose the loan that's right for you. When banks compete, you win at LendingTree.com. I don't know if you guys remember that commercial Johnson. or not. I've got uh, a great that that was uh, one of my favorite commercials. I love that commercial. And as funny as that commercial is, sadly, it's it's probably true for the majority of people, right? And the issue that most of us struggle with, you struggle with it, I struggle with it, we all struggle with it, is this. This is the issue. Is I'm satisfied with what I have until you have something that I don't have. Right? Would you guys agree with that? Right? I'm satisfied with what I have until you have something that I don't have. And listen, I experienced this at a very young age, okay? I can remember growing up, and the very first gaming system that I had was called the Atari. How many of you remember the Atari Right? Most everybody in here, except for maybe the younger kids, were like, Atari, what's that? Uh, remember the little joystick you had? And I had uh, Tecmo Bowl. Anybody remember Tecmo Bowl? Right? The little stick figures. Yeah. Loved Tecmo Bowl. And I uh, loved that game. Me and my brother, we played Atari all the time. And I was totally content, totally satisfied with the Atari gaming system until the Nintendo came out. All right? And that was okay, right? The Nintendo was great. But it was really when my two friends, my neighbors, who were the same age as me, got Nintendos for their birthday. And when I stepped behind that Nintendo controller for the first time, I thought I'd died and gone to gaming heaven, right? Like, I was sitting there playing, and it was like, it was just, I mean, the graphics, right, uh, from the Nintendo to the Atari were just far superior. It was so much better. And I thought, man, I've got to have one of these. Right? So I was totally satisfied with the Atari until my friends got the Nintendo, and now I wanted the Nintendo. So I remember asking my mom for Christmas, say, hey, for Christmas, can I get the Nintendo? Can I get the Nintendo? I don't know if you remember this or not. My mom's back there. Uh, and so, uh, so, so Christmas comes along, and I was so excited. I was, I was waiting for anticipation, thinking I was going to get the Nintendo. And I get to Christmas morning, and there's no Nintendo, but instead, are you ready for this? I got two Atari games. Yep. <laughs> you, that happened to you too? I feel your pain. I, feel your, right? I mean, I was so, like, and it, and it, I, it was like trying to hide my disappointment, right? But inside I was like dying because I was like, I wanted the Nintendo so, so bad, right? I'm satisfied with what I have until you have something I don't have. And so, and so what we do is we do this thing called upgrade. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about, upgrade, right? You've got the iPhone 4, but the iPhone 5 comes out. Right, and so your iPhone 4 works perfectly fine, okay, but, but you, you want the new iPhone, so you'll stand in line or you'll order it or whatever you want to do. Uh, how, how many of you know, uh, f- you know for instance, you, you can go to a, you can drive your car uh, onto a car dealership lot, okay, that works perfectly fine, and you can give the dealer your car and some money and drive another car that's newer off the lot. Right? I'm satisfied with what I have until you have something I don't have. How, how many of you guys, uh, uh, some of us go into our kitchens uh, that have a fridge, they have an oven, they have countertops and cabinets, and what we'll do is we'll go into our kitchen, we'll rip it all out and replace it with a fridge, an oven, countertops and cabinets, right? right? How many of us have, has, have ever stood in front of our, our, our closet and looked at our clothes and said, I don't have 
anything to wear, right? Anybody here done that before? And the truth of the matter is, most of us have work clothes, we have workout clothes, after work clothes, and work in the yard clothes, right? Isn't that true? Isn't that true? Right? I mean, our garbage disposals probably eat so well, they could probably feed a third world country, right? I'm satisfied with what I have until you have something I don't. And this is the root of so many of our financial problems, right? Some of us are in major debt because we bought something, we financed something, we vacationed somewhere, and we busted our finances keeping up with the Johnson, Stanley Johnson on the commercial. And as a recent, uh, and, and, and as a result, a recent Gallup poll showed that 64% of couples fight about money. And 64% of you are like, yeah, that's about right. ABC News reported that less than a quarter of baby boomers have less than $1,000 saved up. More and more people are declaring for bankruptcy, and it's no wonder that we are stressed about money, fight about money, and money is one of the leading causes of divorces and marriages. And so that's why we are kicking off this uh, four-week series today entitled Be Generous, Living a Radically Generous Life. Now let me just give you uh, just uh, some resources if you want to write these down. Um, I meant to bring the books in here with me, but I don't have them, but uh, some of the things that I've used to, to, to help along this sermon series. Uh, one of them is called, it's by a guy, a guy by the name of Barry Cameron. He's a pastor out in Dallas, Texas, and he wrote a book called The ABCs of Financial Freedom. It's a great read, great book. Uh, man, if you want to pick that up, I'll have a copy of it next week. You can see it. Um, another great resource is, are you ready for this? The Bible. The Bible is a great resource, right? And uh, we're going to talk about that this morning. Uh, another one is Dave Ramsey. I don't know if you're familiar with Dave Ramsey or not, but Dave Ramsey is another great resource. And then we are going to be offering a class, a short four-week class, taught by our very own Arthur Smith uh, and starting next Sunday. And so if you would like to sign up for that, it's going to be short, like 537, right, Arthur? And uh, you'll be able to learn some of the principles, principles that we talk about uh, in this sermon series. And so I would just really encourage you to take advantage of those things. And then the verse that we're using for this series, okay, kind of the theme verse, comes from 2 Corinthians 9-11. I'm going to put it up on the screen for you so you can see that. But let me just kind of set the stage for where this verse is coming from, okay? Uh, This verse is in the middle of a section of Scripture where the Apostle Paul is encouraging the church in Corinth to be generous toward others in need. And listen to me, I love how Paul motivates his readers, how he encourages them uh, to, to, to give, right? He doesn't guilt them. He doesn't come to them and say, man, you ought to be doing this. He doesn't shame them, right? But he simply points them to Jesus. He says, man, you have been shown great grace and mercy. Now extend that same grace and mercy towards others. And this is what that verse says. It says, you will be enriched in every way to be generous. And that's where I kind of lifted that up out of that, that verse. In every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. So I'm just going to go ahead uh, up front and tell you that this whole series is built around the idea of generosity. Okay? So if you're here this morning and you're visiting for the first time, don't get nervous. Okay? I'm not going to stop in the middle of my sermon and pass out the offering plate. Right? I know I've got a third kid coming along the way, but I don't need the extra money. I don't need a new home or anything like that. Uh, so so, so we're, we're doing okay. But when we talk about generosity, this is what I want you to understand. When we talk about generosity, I'm talking about the freedom that comes from experiencing the grace of God, the gospel, that is able to hold life 
stuff that we have, things with open hands, right? To hold things with open hands. And this is the kind of church and the kind of people that we want to be, right? So let me, let me just say that again. I'm talking about the, the freedom that comes from experiencing the grace of God, the gospel in our life that is able to hold life, stuff, and the things of life with open hands. And this is the kind of church we want to be. This is the kind of people that we want to be. We want to be generous. We want to, to bless others because we've been blessed. Yeah, I want you to know, man, generosity is powerful. Generosity uh, breaks down walls. It, it makes uh, us hard to resist. And generosity with no strings attached is powerful because, listen, it is essential to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right, John three sixteen, man, a very familiar verse that most people know. Even if you didn't grow up in church, you know this verse. But it says, for God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. He gave his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So, so here's the thing, man, right out of the gate that makes generosity, that makes the generosity of God so stunning and so beautiful is that God's generosity is pointed towards his enemies. Do you understand that? Right, God's generosity is pointed towards his enemies, towards you and me. God sends Jesus into this world not to condemn us, but to give us a way out of our condemnation. Think about it. We are all, we are all in rebellion against God, against a holy and righteous God, against our creator. And the response of God is not to destroy us, not to annihilate us, but rather it is to be generous and to give us his son Jesus so that he might come and die on the cross and eradicate our sins forever. Right? Praise the Lord for that, for his generosity. And this no-strings-attached generosity was the hallmark of the early church. And this is so important because, listen, the Christians in the first century did not have buildings. Uh, they were poor. They were persecuted. They were fed to lions. And if you read through history, if you read historians that jotted these things down, they tell us that the thing, the one thing that gave Christians leverage was not their wealth because they had none. It wasn't their theology about God and about Jesus. But you know what it was? Their generosity. And it all started with Jesus. And this is our desire for us as a church and for you as well. And I really believe, man, that if we would just be honest with ourselves throughout this series and with our finances, then we can position ourselves to experience God's blessings in our lives. I believe that we will move from, from being in fear to, to being in freedom, from fear to generosity. And it starts with Jesus. It starts with the gospel. And so I mentioned Barry Cameron a little while ago. And in his book, The ABCs of Financial Freedom, he says that, that one of the reasons why we have gotten ourselves into trouble with our finances is because we've bought into some lies that sound a lot like truth. And these lies have the ability to keep us from experiencing financial freedom in our own life and living a life of generosity. And so I just want to share a few of these lies with you. The first lie is this. And I know that, man, if you've been going to church for any length of time, you've probably heard this from a friend who doesn't go to church or from an unchurched person. And this is, this is the first lie that sounds like truth, is all the church is interested in is my money. How many of you have heard that before? 
right? Most all of us, right? All the church wants is my money. Now, for those of you guys who have been coming to church here for very long, uh, you know that's not true, right? We don't stand up here and we don't talk about money uh, all the time. But I can certainly understand why some people think this, right? Because some of you, um, uh, unfortunately, there are preachers and television evangelists uh, who stand up on TV and they take advantage of people and they, and they say things like this. They say, hey, if you would just send me a check, right? If you'll just send me a check, then God's going to bless your life. He will send you that money back two, threefold, fourfold, whatever. You'll get rich. You know, they, they, they say things like that. And, 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 uh, and all they're doing is they're taking advantage of people so that they can pad their, their bank account and, and, and build bigger houses and fly in nicer jets. And those individuals, yes, they give the church a bad name. The other thing I would point out is that during Jesus' three-and-a-half-year ministry on this earth, do you know that he talked about money 25% of the time? That's a lot. You think about three-and-a-half years, 25% of the time, that's a lot. Jesus told 38 parables, which parables are just stories, and 16 of those 38 parables deal with the subject of money. And listen, it's not that money is bad. Money is not bad. It's not that having money is bad either. I mean, we, we want you to have money because the more money you have, the more you give, right? We hope so. That's what this series is about, being generous, okay? But, but listen, Scripture has a lot to say to those who are rich and how to use their wealth. But one of the most misquoted Scriptures in the Bible, and I know you've heard it misquoted before, comes from 1 Timothy 6.10. Uh, and most people say this. They say money is the root of all evil, right? But that's not true, is it? The scripture actually says the love of money is the root of all evil. It's that desire to have more and more and more, right? I'm satisfied with what I have until you have something I don't have, and so now I want that. It's called greed. And the reason Jesus taught on the subject of money is because he knew that the chief competitor for our heart and devotion would be money. Our guest speaker last week talked about the rich young ruler. Right? And he, he thought he had obeyed everything all his life. And Jesus said, there's still one less thing, right? Because Jesus knew that that's what had his heart. And he walked away sad. So the best way to kill greed in your life is, guess what? Be generous. Generosity. Um, let's see. And so, yes, money is important, and yes, the church may talk about money and what God's Word says, but the church is not all about your money, right? We don't, we don't send you an invoice at the end of the month for services rendered here at Chester Christian Church, right? We don't look and say, okay, you know, Paul, you were here for, for three weeks out of the month, and you used kids' uh, services, uh, two of those three, and so we're going to send you a bill for this much, right? We don't do that. We don't send you uh, an invoice. We don't refuse ministry to, to anybody. We open our doors to everyone free of charge. You know, you ought to go to the restaurant today after, after church and, and walk out after you eat lunch without paying and see how that goes for you, right? It won't go very well, right? And so, so businesses are about money, but the church is about ministry. It's about changing lives. Business is about consumerism. Church is for worshipers. And in the church, you and me, the people, in large part exist to give itself away. 
You know, in fact, here, here at Chester Christian Church, man, we give away 13% of our budget to missions locally and globally. And I want to see us increase that number each and every single year. Because I want us to be a church that is generous with our resources. Uh, You may remember earlier this year we did something that I don't think we've ever done here before at Chester Christian Church. Correct me if I'm wrong, Shirley. She's shaking her head like, no. Uh, We we took, the week before Easter, we took our our whole offering that, that you guys gave on Sunday morning and we gave it away. And I'm telling you, that, that was a step of faith on our part. And when we gave that away, and it was awesome to be able to, to go to Chesterfield Food, and we, did, we, we kind of dispersed it among different, different, different uh, places in the community, and it was awesome to be able to walk into the Chesterfield Food Bank and hand them a check for $1,000. Listen, I want to do more of that stuff. I want to be able to do more of that. I want to be able to, to, to stroke a check to somebody who's in need without thinking about, man, do we have it or not? Because we've been generous. You know, ever since we've done that, man, God has, God has blessed us, has he not? Ever since we gave that offering away in March, we were like, oh my goodness, this is crazy. And ever since we've done that, man, God has met our needs here at the church. It's good stuff, it's good stuff. Um, we've also, this year, just given away, uh, we have a missionary, Caitlin Smith, Arthur and Charlotte's daughter, uh, who's a missionary over in Haiti. A uh, group was over there just a little while ago, and we gave Caitlin $4,000. We just sent her the last check a few weeks ago to purchase 400 Bibles in Creole, and, and she is doing some amazing things with that, right? She, she messaged me and shared about how she's passed out several of those Bibles already, and people are just eating it up, man, because they want to read the Word of God. So we gave away $4,000 to help, help in that project. And the reality is, is that money issues are killing, killing relationships and are killing families. And if we did not talk about money and what Jesus said about money, then listen, we wouldn't be teaching the whole word of God. And I'm going to tell you, man, here at Chester Christian Church, we're going to preach the whole word of God. And we're not going to dance around subjects. We're not going to dance around topics. And so we would be doing you a, a disservice if we didn't do that. And so I just want to encourage you this morning. Don't believe this lie. Don't believe the lie that the church is only interested in money. Here's lie number two. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this because we talked about it just a few weeks ago and our hope is greater than a series. Uh, but this is a lie, man, that, that most of us fall for just about every single day, okay? And here it is. You ready? Uh, the more money and things that I have uh, or more money and things can satisfy me, right? That, that, that's a lie, man, that sounds like a truth and we buy into it every single day, right? We, no matter how much we talk about it here in Sunday morning, uh, we can walk out of this building and say to ourselves, man, if I only had this, or if I only had that, then, then I would be happy, I'd be content. Right? How many of us have, have bought into that line? Right? We, we, we struggle with this all, all the time. Listen to what King Solomon, who wrote uh, in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10, it'll be on the screen for you. He said this, whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. Right? It's, like, it's like an appetite, right? If you have an appetite and you, you feed that appetite, right, the more you feed it, the, more it's, the bigger it's going to get, right? And that's the way it is with money, man. The more and more, the more and more we get, the more and more we want. And we think this is what's going to satisfy us, but it never, never does. I love what actor Jim Carrey said. He said, I think everybody 
should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so that they can see that it's not the answer. That's wise advice, isn't it? That's essentially what King Solomon says. See, having more of what already doesn't satisfy you will not satisfy you. That's lie number two. Here's lie number three, and then we're going to jump into our text. He says, uh, the lie number three is, is, it's my money, so I can do whatever I want with it. Right? It's my money, so I can do whatever I want with it. That's lie number three. And Jesus himself lived in a culture where people thought this same thing. And so Jesus teaches this kind of new attitude that leads to generosity and financial freedom. And we see that here in Matthew 25. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and, 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 and look at that. Matthew 25, starting in verse 14. It's going to be on the screen if you don't have your Bibles. starts out, Jesus says, uh, he's talking about the kingdom of heaven, by the way. This is kind of in the middle of a, of a section where he's talking about the kingdom of heaven and what the kingdom of heaven is going to be like. And he had just finished uh, a, a parable on the ten virgins about being ready for the coming of Christ. And so then he jumps into this. And this is what he says. He says, for it will be like, the kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted it to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability, and then he went away. All right, so, so the story begins with the, the owner, this, this master, uh, going on a long trip. And I want you to notice what he says. He says, he entrusted his property to them. So who owned the property? The master, right? The owner. And, and, and not the servants, not the workers, but they were just managers. And the owner says, I want you to take care of my property. I want you to take care of my stuff while I'm gone. I want you to grow it. I want you to multiply it. I'm, I'm entrusting you with my property. And so the first thing that we learn here is that we are not owners of anything, but we are just managers. And this is going to be hard for us to, to kind of get... Uh, this, this concept, because this is going to be a new attitude, a new way of thinking. But we are not owners of anything. We are just managers. Everything on this planet is God's. We own nothing. Listen, all you have, all we are, we sing about it, right? The breath in our lungs, right? The, the breath that you gave us. The breath, the oxygen, oxygen that we are breathing this morning is God's oxygen, Right? Right? And regret, regardless of whether you are a believer in Christ or not, all you enjoy, all that you enjoy about life has been given to you by God. And, and you begin to get a sense of the character and the nature of God by just considering His generosity. And in His generosity, He has made these things that we enjoy delightful. I mean, I want you to just think about this for a second. Okay, think about food, right? I know I talk about food a lot, but I'll, I'll, I like food, and so I talk about it a lot, right? I mean, think about just, just like, so, so after church today, man, I'm going to go, and I'm going to get Chipotle, right? And I just want you to think about, man, the, the, as I bite into that burrito, and I bite that steak, and the, and, the, and the black beans, and the rice, and the vegetables, and all that, man, it just, it, it's, it's going to be, it's just like so enjoyable, and yet God created those flavors. He put all that together. He made all those things. He made uh, the cow that the beef comes from. Right? He created all that, man, for us to enjoy so that when we bite into that burrito, I'm not like, oh, this is great. But when I bite into that burrito, I'm thinking, man, God, you are so good. 
You are so generous. Right, this past week, man, we were on vacation, and we were at the beach, and we was playing with my oldest son in the ocean, and we were jumping through the waves, and we were playing in the sand. And I just stopped him for a second. I said, buddy, I said, I want you to think about this for a second. I want you to look at this big, great, big. He kept calling, what did he say? He, he kept calling the, uh, the ocean the waves. I said, no, 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 buddy. That's the ocean. The waves is what's coming and crashing down. Anyway, it was funny. You had to be there. Um, and so I, I just saw it. I stopped him for a second. I said, buddy, I said, I want you to look at this, this big, great, big ocean. I want you to look at these waves and this sand. I said, God created all this because he is generous, because he is good. And we get to enjoy it. We get to play in it. We get to have fun. Right? So, so you just think about that. Everything uh, that, that God has, has created, man, is for us to enjoy. It's his generosity. It's his goodness. And the point is, man, God who is generous represents the owner, the, 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 uh, the master in our story, and we represent the managers, right? God has come to us and says, this is all of my stuff. It's for you to enjoy. Now, what are you going to do with it? And the early church, man, the early church, they, they got this. In Acts chapter 4, it's going to be on the screen for you. Acts chapter 4, verse 32 through 35, they understood this concept. Listen, they had an open hand towards their stuff. Listen to what it says. It says, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. Verse 34. There was not a needy person among them. Can you imagine what that would be like? To not have one needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. Now, I'm not telling you to go out here and sell everything you've got and give. I'm not saying that. But, but the phrase that stands out to me in that passage is that no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. You see, you see, the gospel had taken root in their lives. They had learned from Jesus himself. They'd seen the generosity of God. And so they held life the stuff of life in their hands with an open hand and said, it's not mine, it's God's. I'm going to share it with those in need. That's radical generosity. And the only way that that happens in our life is when we begin to see the generosity of God towards us. And when that takes root, listen to me, man, that lives are changed. Right? When that happens, man, we're making much of Jesus. Lives are changed. People are fed. People who are far from Jesus Come to know Jesus. So the first thing we see, man, is that we, we don't own anything. We're just managers. Secondly, we see that we are responsible for accomplishing the owner's goals, not our goals. What would the manager do once he left? Or what would the, uh, the servants do once the owner uh, left? Well, Jesus continues in the story. He says, he who received five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also, he had, so also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground, and he hid his master's money. And so right away we see that the first two uh, accepted the challenge and put the owner's resources to work to accomplish the owner's goals. But the third, we see, he just kind of played it safe, right? He, he, he was tight-fisted with his stuff, and he didn't want to share. And so he went out and dug a hole, and he hid it. And a good manager... 
uh, a good servant, good manager, says, thank you for entrusting me with your stuff. Now, what is your goal for me managing your stuff? So, so let me explain it this way. Okay, my wife, Robin, works for a financial advisor, a financial planner. And when he sits down with his clients, one of his very first questions is going to be, what is your goals with your money? Right? That's the very first question. He doesn't say, hey, man, I'm so glad that you are letting me invest your money because my kids have been wanting a pool for a long time, and now with your money, I'm going to be able to accomplish my goal. Now, if a financial planner said that to you, what would you do? You would take your money and say, you ain't getting my money, Right? I know the manager needs to be about accomplishing the owner's goals. And so the question for us is, is what about us? Have we put some of the owner's resources to work to accomplish his goals? Or have we tucked it away to accomplish our own goals? Now, I'm going to tell you, man, the Bible teaches that God wants to be first in everything. He wants to be first in everything, and that includes our finances. Do you realize that when Jesus spoke on idolatry in the Sermon on the Mount, his only application was in the area of money? Matthew 6, 24, he says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. See, God wants to be first in every area of our life, including our finances. And so what that means is, is when we get some income, we prioritize. And God comes first. That's what the Bible teaches, right? Proverbs 3, 9. I've got it on the screen here. It says, I've got it on my notes. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your crops. See, see, the Bible teaches that God comes first, uh, then he teaches us to, to save and then live on the rest. See, the attitude is that everything I have is already yours, and so you come first, not second, not third. And so I want to just share with you this morning uh, what Robin and I practice when it comes to managing our finances. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you up front, this is, this is like 95% my wife doing, okay, and 5% my doing, because growing, I was going to just lay it out front, okay, because I, I was, growing up, I was not a good person with money, okay, but my wife came along, and she's, she saved me, and she's awesome with money, and she does a great job, so, so I want to just show you guys kind of how we do this, and, um, and I try to make this as easy as I can, this is a little complicated, okay, so I've got 10, 10 $1 bills here, okay, and this represents our income, okay, and so what we do is every time we get some income, every time we get a paycheck, we take 10%, very first thing, 10%, and we give it to God. Very first thing. And then we take another 10% and we save it. And then we live on the rest. Does that make sense? You want me to explain it again? It's kind of complicated. I mean, it's a complicated process, right? And I'm being sarcastic when I say that, by the way. So, so we get our income, we get our paycheck, 10% right off the top, very first thing goes to God, 10% we save, and then we live off the rest. It's called a 10 10 80, right? And so, so we've been doing that for years, uh, for several years, and one of the things that we learned uh, several years ago through Dave Ramsey, 
is that we, uh, we do kind of silos. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. but we, we, So when my wife puts our money in a savings account, she has it divided up on the computer in silos. And this has been a huge, huge help for us over the years, okay? And so what that means is, is she'll put a little bit in uh, clothing budget. She'll put some in car repair budget. Uh, she'll put some in vacation budget. She'll put some in furniture, housing budget. You know, yard, I mean, just we got something for everything, right? And so to kind of give you an example of, of how this works, uh, just, uh, just three things, two things that have happened in the last couple of weeks, okay? So before we left for vacation, I took my car to get the oil changed. And you guys all know that whenever you take your car into the garage to get your oil changed, it's not just going to be an oil change, right? You know what I'm talking about? And so I take my car in there, and I get a phone call that says, Mr. Hoback, you need front brakes, right? Now, now in the past, that had been like, ah, you know, so you whip out your credit card and you put it on your credit card. But now it's no big deal, right, because we have that in the budget, right? We took a vacation this past week. And, and you know, usually you, you, you kind of put a lot of your vacation maybe on a credit card or whatever you do. But we were able to use cash because we had it in the budget. And it's been huge, right? Car taxes come up. You know, how you ever had this, things like that just kind of sneak up on you? You're like, oh, I owe 300 bucks for a car tax. See, all that's in the budget whenever you do silos like that. And so it's helped us, man. So for us, man, we, we, the only debt that we have is we, we have a, a, a mortgage that's, that's manageable, and then we have one car payment that, that I despise, but, but we have it. And that's it. And the rest of it, you know, we, we, we pay cash for it or we wait. I mean, listen, we, we've been doing some work in our house and we've been painting and, and Robin's been wanting new furniture for a long time. And so our living room is set empty-walled for almost a year. Matter of fact, we have uh, our Connect class here at church. We'd have it in our, our house. And somebody one time, uh, just a few months back, asked, said, are you guys minimalist? Because you have nothing on your walls? <laughs> Wait, no, 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 we're not. We're just, we're just, we're just waiting. We're waiting, right? And so, so just this last week, my wife... I was able to get the new couch and the new chair she wanted because it was in the budget. So we waited until it was in the budget. We didn't put it on a credit card. We didn't finance it. We didn't do any of those things. And so listen, man, I would encourage, that's what we do. That's what works for us. I don't know what works for you, but here's what I'm telling you. You can learn a lot of these same principles, right, Arthur, in this class. And so I would encourage you to attend that class and put some of those things into practice. And listen, I I know this can be tough. Right, because when things get tight financially, what is the first thing that usually cut, is cut out? It's that, that first 10%, isn't it? It's that first 10% to God that usually gets cut out. When, when things get tight, when people go into debt, the first thing they cut out is they're giving to God. But listen to me. I truly believe that if we can learn this principle, I know, I know that God will bless your life. And I, listen, I don't mean in some hokey, stupid way where like if you give 10% to God, he's going to give you more and more money than you can. I'm not saying that. But, but here's what I do know, and I experienced this firsthand. My mom's here. She, she can witness to this. Growing up, man, single-parent home, my, wife, my, my, my mom raised me and my brother on a very, very small income. And I can tell you that there were times that she didn't know where she was going to get groceries. There were times she didn't know she was going to be able to buy us clothes for school. 
But I can tell you that I know for a fact that every single paycheck, you tithed 10%, did you not? Every time. And I can't tell you how often we would come home from somewhere and there would be groceries on our doorstep. I mean, it was just amazing. I'm telling you, man, God, God provided for our needs in ways that, that you couldn't imagine. I saw it firsthand. And so let me tell you, you cannot outgive God. God will always outgive you. So let's go ahead and see how the story ends uh, real quick. He says, now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. I'm going to go through this pretty quick, by the way. And he, had, he who had received five talents came forward, bringing five talents more. Go to verse 22. And he also who had the, the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered me uh, two talents. Here I have made two talents more. And notice what the master says to both of those servants. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. Here it is. I will set you over much. Right? Enter into the joy of your master. Verse 24. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. Verse 27. He says, Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own interest. Listen, when you read that, Jesus couldn't have been any clearer. We're not owners, we're managers. And one day we're going to have to answer to the owner for how we leveraged his resources. And that's just the bottom line. I mean, we're going to have to answer uh, how we leveraged his resources to advance his kingdom, to advance his goals. Uh, let me close with this illustration and, um, and then say a few things as we go into communion time here. I've got two, two boys, and uh, one is six, and the other one's two and a half. And, and for whatever reason, man, they are some popcorn-loving fools. Uh, and I can remember Jude, man, my oldest, when he was shepherd's age now, which is two and a half. He, he loved popcorn. He'd say, Daddy, pop some popcorn. And so I'd pop some popcorn. And shepherd is doing the same thing now. And so we would pop the popcorn, and we'd sit on the couch. And I would sit beside them, and he would have the bowl in his lap, and he'd be eating it. And any time I went to go reach over to the bowl, guess what he did? Yeah, yeah. He would do this number. And I'm sitting, there thinking, I'm sitting there thinking, dude, what are you doing? I mean, first of all, do you not realize that that's my popcorn, <laughs> right? I own this popcorn. And secondly, do you not realize that I have the ability to literally bury you in popcorn? I mean, really, I could, I could pop so much popcorn that it would, you could just swim in popcorn, Right? And, and listen to me, that, that's, that's the same thing that God is saying, right? When we are tight-fisted, and when we don't want to, to, to be generous, God is saying, that's, that's my stuff. And then he's also saying, do you not realize that, that everything I have is yours? Be generous. See, as managers, as servants, we are far, far less, we have far less control than we think we do. Right? We think we have a lot of control, but we don't. So I just want to encourage you over the next few minutes, as we prepare to take communion, guys, you can go ahead and get ready. And they're going to pass out a, a tray of, of bread and, and juice, and 
Uh, we do this every single week here at Chester Christian Church, and it's just another way for us to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we do this, I want you to take that time this morning to thank God for your blessings. You know, we sang this song in church growing up. We sang hymns, and uh, a lot of you guys will remember this song. It went, count your blessings, name them one by one. You guys remember that song? You guys remember that song? Count your blessings, see what God has done. You think I can make it, man? I'm singing on stage? I'm just kidding. So I want you to do this. I want you to think about specific things. Think about, think about your health. I mean, listen, your health is a gift from God. Your job, your kids, your spouse, your favorite food. Think about how God has dealt generously with you this morning. Father, we just thank you so much for your generosity. And God, again, what's so amazing is that your generosity was pointed towards your enemies, us. Father, we just thank you for, for that. We thank you for your love. Father, I pray now that as we come and as we remember and celebrate the sacrifice you made for us, God, that we would think about just how generous you've been to us, God. And think about our own life and, and think about areas where we need to be generous, God, and where maybe where we've been tight-fisted with things. And just, God, just allow the Holy Spirit, just allow the gospel to, to work in our hearts this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.